Hey, this is Jordan Sutton, pastor at Clear Path Church. Thank you for tuning in to our sermon podcast. We appreciate you listening. A little about our community. We love to come together. We love to come to the Lord's table together. Uh, We're a community trying to be led by the Spirit, just walking through Scripture together, walking through life together. If this message is an encouragement to you, bring some hope to your life at the end of the sermon. There'll be a little bit of information about how you can get in touch with us. Stay tuned, and thanks for joining. week actually with the director of Care Portal and he's actually going to come this was just as a new thing but he's going to come and share at our church in September it's going to be an incredible day I promise you and uh, but we really are grateful for the opportunity to do this, this kind of ministry so Tiffany's can give us an update so we got the opportunity to respond to our second Care Portal need um, this last week the way it works is that there's this database that local um, or around the country really entities will put in verified needs of families and we can filter it by people um, that are close by us so that we can go and meet a physical need which is quick and somewhat simple for us sometimes but to them it's so lifelong impacting for example the one that we got to meet this week um, is a single mom several kids and she was still in need of a washer and dryer for a home that she moved into about a month ago imagine being a single mom with lots of kids and pregnant like do any day right and hand washing all these clothes I even was with Luke and we uh, were cleaning off this uh, gently used washer that we had bought off Facebook marketplace um, and with some donations from the church so thank you to everyone who was able to contribute and give it is a collective um, effort for sure but Luke and I were cleaning off this washing machine to make it look as nice as new um, for this mama and he was like, what's this for? He sees this washing machine and we got some scrubbers. And I was like, oh, and I kind of told him the story. And I was like, what do you think about that? Like, how would that feel? He doesn't even want to clean his room. That's been a whole thing this week, let me tell you. But I'm like, how would you feel? And like, you had all these people in your family and you are responsible for hand washing all their clothes. He's like, ugh. He's like, that sounds terrible. I'm like, you're absolutely right. So it kind of like kicked him into gear to go, oh, let me serve these people because I don't have to do that. I'm really grateful for it. So now I get to give back to someone else who doesn't have that same opportunity. Um, and then he was able to come with us. Both of our kids came with us. And um, Derek Wilcox, uh, thank you so much for your help. He was instrumental in installing the thing because Zane and I are not very handy. And um, so we used his muscles and his intelligence and his tools. And he helped us to install that um, in her house. But our kids got to go and play with these kids. They're running them up all over the streets, playing hide and seek. Um, and we just got to sit with her and hear her story and where she came from and pray with her. All of us got together with all our kids um, and we just prayed over them. And we've continued to form a relationship and she's continued to even share with me some other needs that she has because um, she kind of is starting over a little bit. 
So, I've been able to reach out to some other ladies that I know have young babies or young kids um, that have continued to over and above and beyond to pour out to this mom. I even have a basket down here that Lindsay Campione gave me this morning full of things for this mom to bless her with for her new baby. I have some other people looking for things from hand-me-down clothes to baby items or whatever. Um, so it's just an opportunity to give beyond what's even asked for because those things are really simple and momentary for us. But to build that relationship and show her that through us, God cares more about than just the simple bare need, if that makes sense. So if that's something that pulls on your heart that you really would like to participate in, being a response team, or even praying for these people, writing letters, or anything that you can think of, um, even something we haven't said, maybe you're more creative, that you can help to contribute to this um, opportunity, let me know, let Andrea know, and we would love to incorporate you in that. Thanks. Well, I'm gonna introduce Sam, but I, I do wanna say one more thing about Care Puddle Portal. Please, I, I promise you, I, I have this thinking that by the, by the end of this next year, probably 80% of the people here are gonna have done something with it. I just, I really believe, I listened to the, I listened to the, the CEO of Care Portal give a talk to a bunch of people this week. They, the model, they work with social workers to have verified needs, and I think it's 85% of kids who end up in the, C, in the, in the, uh, in the CPS, in the, in the full foster care system, uh, 85%, it's not an abuse issue, it's, an, it's a poverty need, poverty-related need. So it's not having a refrigerator, not having a washer and dryer, not having something, and that unfolds into bigger issues. And they, they, they've met 200,000 needs yeah, already awesome. through, through social, and the, uh, I listened to, listen to Joe share their vision, and just like, I'm sitting here in a room full of business people who are some of the most, in, in, business, some of those influential business people in the world. And he's like, in the next few years, he said, he's, God's already opened up favor with all these denominations with him. He said, my dream is to have, have every leader of every major denomination in this country sitting on a stage together, signing a covenant that they're making war against the issue of kids entering into the CPS system. And, and over 50% of the needs that are being met have resulted in a long-term relationship with a church community. And so like California, New York, multiple states have said, will you please come run the technology for us? He said, and we'll pay you for it. He said, I have one, one requirement, the church has to be the need giver because the need is nothing to do with meeting the need, it has everything to do with the next 10 years of relationship that the people will enter into. And so great, we would greatly appreciate your help. Um, I think it's a really, really powerful thing. And I think when Joe comes and shares, you get a sense of, of his heart even for, for the hurting. And, um, but yes, I'm so excited that Zane is sharing. Um, I, I asked Zane uh, a couple weeks ago, I said, you know, there's, there's a lot of things, I, I won't give a building update, but there's a lot of things related to that and other just strategic things that we're trying to work on as a church right now um, to be a more missional community, to be more outward, to be more engaging, uh, the hurting especially. And I just like, I need probably for you to preach some more and me to preach some less, preach a little less so that I can spend more time on that. Um, I will still be preaching very often, but he's preached last week and he's preaching this week. And so I'm very grateful for, for him. 
and let's give him another hand. And give, give him another. Thank you. I am honored to get to preach. I both enjoy it and don't take it lightly. I also really love this care portal thing. I really appreciate them. They're doing some amazing stuff. I'm sure that they appreciate us too, as we've now provided one out of every 100,000 <laughs> needs for them. So we're kind of a big deal to them too. Man, I love God. devil always thinks he can distract me here. <clears throat> Wave something shiny in my face. Sucker. And that, the world's pretty enticing if you don't live in the joy of the Lord. But if you have the joy of the Lord, it looks kind of dingy. Holy Spirit, come. I just feel God a lot. I could be beside myself and just lay on the floor for the next hour and we could all just sit here, but I guess I'll take a note from Paul and try to get in my right mind so that I can talk to you guys. You know, I learn a lot from you guys. I do. I always learn a lot from you. I learn from watching the way that all of you live and the way that you communicate with God. And I always try to pay attention the best that I can. And most of you know that my brain is always running. In fact, many of you have said to me something like, Zane, you think too much. I just want to love God. I don't want to get into all these complicated details. It's not only you, Dave. I saw you look at me and smile. It's not only you. You are one, but it's not only you. But this is, many of you have said, I don't want to get into all these complicated details. I just want to keep it simple and love him. And I'm aware that many of you have wisdom that I don't have. And so one day, I was thinking about this, and I said to myself, Zane, maybe they're right. And I decided to try. So Tiffany and I went out on a nice date the other night. We started the night at a nice Italian restaurant, had some amazing bread, some handmade pasta. Mm. We even kick-started the evening with a nice bottle of Northern Californian organic Concord grape juice. It's marvelous. Derek, you would have approved. We had good conversation. We had some good laughs. And then we went to a movie. Classic date night, right? Night was going really well so far. And Tiffany even let me put my hand on her leg during the movie. Yeah. I had, in fact, remembered to take out the trash that afternoon 
So everything was headed in the right direction, you know? Mm -hmm. Finally, made it home. Best part of the night. I'm making Jordan nervous right now. <laughs> we made our way from the garage, through the kitchen, through the living room, made it to the bedroom door. I stopped my wife, and I looked into her eyes. Remember, I'm trying to learn from you guys. So I said, baby, I just want to love you. And she gazed lovingly back into my eyes and said, Zane, I'd like to tell you some of the deepest things in my heart so that we can be even closer. But before she could finish, I put my finger to her lips and I said, stop! I don't need all the complicated details. I just want to keep it simple and love you. So thank you all for the advice. Didn't go very well. As it turns out, replacing knowledge with desire is not the key to intimacy. Now, some of you self-proclaimed thinkers are getting excited right now. You're like, yeah, that's right. Tell those simpletons to listen to the truth. They don't ever think about anything. But before you get too happy, let me ask you a question about your wedding night. On the night that you got married, how would you have felt if your spouse walked into the bedroom, gave you a look, and asked you to fill out a 10-page survey so that they could know you more accurately? <laughs> Probably wouldn't have been a fan of that either. See, my point is that if we act like God is an actual person, which he is, who's in the room with us, which he is, then we will see that the chasm between those who want to understand God and those who want to experience God is a silly dividing line. But a lot of people in the church are making it these days. <coughs> There's an unspoken chasm but trading knowledge for passion is not the answer to loving God. Nor is the solution to gain all the knowledge of God or about God, yet have no desire or action toward him. This is what I want to talk to you about today. Your experience of his presence is influenced by his nature. And your experience of his glory is influenced by his character. So I'm going to tell you right now that my teaching today, it's not the easiest thing for me to explain or teach, and it's probably not the easiest for some of you to receive, but I do believe that the concepts that I'm going to talk about are immensely important, and that the Holy Spirit's going to reveal what he wants to each person. So do me a favor, please engage your brain with me and your heart for the next 25 minutes, and we'll see what God gives. That's right, I just put myself on the timer. Thomas Merton says this, there can be no desire where there is not at least a little knowledge. We cannot desire union with God unless we know that such a union exists and have at least some idea of what it is. But the worldly man 
and the Christian who is entirely concerned with his activities and temporal interests, not only does not desire contemplation, but he even makes himself incapable of knowing what it is. The only way to find out anything about the joys of contemplation is by experience. We must taste and see that the Lord is sweet. One more quote for you. St. Thomas says that the worldly men have lost that sense of spiritual things. As the tongue of a sick man cannot taste good things, so the soul infected with the corruption of the world has no taste for the joys of heaven. Do you hear what these men are trying to teach us? Desire is part of love, and so is action. But both your desire and therefore your amount of action toward God will correspond closely to how deeply you know him. Do you want to know him? That's not a rhetorical question. Do you want to know him? Yes. I want to know him. And knowledge of God will not happen without intentionality. <clears throat> we don't just stumble in the room one day and go, oh my gosh, I know God. I'm not saying that God can't do something supernatural. I realize that he does things like stop Saul on the road to Damascus and have this blinding encounter where he's completely changed. God can choose to do things that are beyond our intentionality. But most of the time, your knowledge of God will be strongly based on how intentional you are and how much desire you have to go for him, to find him. It requires both depth and volume of thought. Okay, so the Book of Wisdom, Proverbs, it encourages us to go after this. It says, wisdom is supreme. So acquire wisdom, and whatever you acquire, acquire understanding. If most of your thinking is about worldly things, your desire is likely to follow suit. But if most of your thinking is about knowing God, you will grow in both knowledge and desire for him, and a deeper love will be the result. Let me say that in a different way. Very plainly, the more you think on God, the more he will transform your mind. He will become more real to you. You will start to understand the world from a heavenly perspective, a heavenly mindset, and the things of this world will become both less important and less enticing to you. Look at this teaching Paul gives the Corinthian church. When I first came to you, dear brothers and sisters, I didn't use lofty words and impressive wisdom to tell you God's secret plan. For I decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. I came to you in weakness, timid and trembling, and my message and my preaching were very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay, little pause. At this point, all you lifelong Pentecostals, like me, it's, it's cool, you're like, yeah, we don't need this persuasive understanding if we just focus on the power of the Spirit. And that's what Paul just said, right? Well, it's actually not really. So let's read a little further. He said, I did this 
So you would trust not in human wisdom, but in the power of God. Yet, when I am among mature believers, I do speak with words of wisdom. But not the kind of wisdom that belongs to this world or to the rulers of this world who are soon forgotten. No, the wisdom we speak of is the mystery of God, his plan that was previously hidden. Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it. Are you guys tracking with me here? I know we missed the scripture up here, so maybe that was harder to listen to than to read. But I've usually heard the scripture that I just read to you used as a reason that we should not use persuasive words, but rather operate in God's power. But that isn't exactly what Paul is saying. He's saying he is for using God's power, but he's saying that if we are immature, we will be unable to absorb true godly wisdom and knowledge in a way that sticks. But a mark of a mature believer is that they are able to walk in both power and deep heavenly understanding. So Paul was concerned that these infant believers might later worry that they had been talked into believing by his persuasive speech and that they needed to be certain that it was God who convinced them, not him. So he intentionally simplified his own message and only gave them the basics. But is that what you want? Do we want to be those who only can partake of the basics? Paul's desire for them was to grow up in God so that they could receive the fullness of both experience and understanding. Are you guys tracking with me at all? I'm seeing some glazed over looks. I know this is a little deeper uh, concept, so y'all are going to have to stay engaged with me if you want to get it. God wants you to receive both fullness of experience and understanding. In reality, these two are not opposed. People try to make them opposed, but on the other side of the same coin from knowledge, we have depth of emotional connection, we have surrender and intimacy. See, I've, I've met people who are really very studied in the scriptures, I really am not sure if they know God at all. And they might be able to talk circles around you with how much they know the Bible, but I'm not sure they know it. Knowledge apart from union is pointless. Right? Knowledge apart from union is pointless. You know what it's called? It's called stalking. <laughs> I've also met people who have a deep interior knowing of God's spirit, but it's not accompanied by a great understanding. These people are often content to experience whatever God has for them without a need, without feeling the need for understanding. And on one hand, this can actually be very problematic. This lack of a root system can leave the believer really unstable and really pulled about by different ideas and circumstances that bring some challenge to their faith. But 
In another way, it can actually be really helpful to press into God without requiring explanation because any true manifestation of God on the human body or the human mind goes beyond full comprehension. You get that? Your body and your mind, they're finite. They can't comprehend the, the coming of God to you. So if you've decided that you will not accept more of God in your life than you can understand, you will greatly limit the experiences that God may desire to give to you. For example, Paul tells a story like this. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, he's being very humble, he's talking about himself. I know a man in Christ who was caught up to the third heaven. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know, God knows. And I know that this man was caught up to paradise and heard inexpressible things, things that no one is permitted to tell. Sorry, Chris, I skipped forward in my notes there. This description that Paul gives is clearly not one that he fully understands. See what we're reading here? He isn't sure if he even traveled in his body or if his spirit left his body and he traveled and he went and he heard things that he says are inexpressible to the human mind. Some of you studiers don't like stuff like this. But this is why we must be open to a love that surpasses knowledge. I'll tell you, in my own life, some of the moments that have changed me the most didn't involve me saying anything, reading anything, or seeing anything. Some of them involved me sitting really still, still in a chair, just enraptured, in the weighty presence of God in ways that I don't even actually know how to properly describe to you. In fact, I feel it a little bit right now. There may be sights, sounds, or feelings in these moments that go way beyond my comprehension, but in all of it, I can feel the overwhelming love of God running through me, so I have no need to question it or make sense of it. If I know he's there, then what I know is that he's a better protector of my theology than I am. Chris King mentions this. The nature of God in you is not to be on guard at all times to the point that you judge and question everything that God seems to be doing. See, we have to be open to accept the things of God that we can't explain, or we're going to miss some of it. Some of you, specifically, this is what you need to hear today. Some of you, you're getting a whole different message that you're going to walk away with. Some of, some of you, the other things are sticking out to you. But some of you, this is exactly what you need to hear, is that skepticism and fear can be easily confused for wisdom and discernment. I'm going to say it one more time. Skepticism and fear can be easily confused for wisdom and discernment. See, what we desire is not a life that's reliant on dry knowledge or on unanchored ecstasy. What we desire is a life of fullness. fullness our theme last year? I don't know. We talked a lot about fullness. This is what we desire. We desire fullness. 
Ephesians 3 puts it like this. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. This is full communion with Christ. It starts by being planted in love and filled with the power of the Spirit. And then it moves into an active knowledge, an active understanding of God's nature. And eventually, it may move into a revelation of God's glory to such a point that your spirit understands more of God's love than your mind can actually comprehend or define. That's exactly what Paul describes here. You see it? He says, you're established in love. You may have power to grasp. Okay? That means that there's some amount of grasping to be done. How wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ? And to know, to know this love that surpasses knowledge. It's actually impossible, right? He wants you to love, or to know a love that surpasses knowledge. So I'm going to say that, that progression one more time because I think it's important. We're planted in love and filled with power. This is, the, this is the basics of Christianity. We accept Jesus. We accept his salvation in our life and allow him to begin to change us. And we are filled with the Holy Spirit. And he begins to bring a power into our life that, that changes us and may even begin to change the things around us. And then, because we've been renewed and because God is transforming our mind, we become active in our knowledge, our pursuit, our understanding, okay? But whenever you become active, then God meets you, and generally you're going to end up in a place that goes beyond your comprehension and beyond your understanding because God is bigger than you can grasp. I'm talking a lot at you this morning, but I'm going to talk short. I'm almost done. So in what ways are we to respond to a message like this? These concepts like love, understanding, fullness, they, sometimes the ideas might hit us at a soul level, but then it feels like we don't know what to do with it. It doesn't always feel tangible. And so I'm going to try to get slightly more practical, give you a few ideas as we finish. We need to let God relationally shape our thinking. Relationally shape our thinking through faithfulness and prayer. See, I'm not reinventing the wheel today. Faithfulness and prayer, constantly turning our attention to him throughout the busyness of our day. Earnestly studying the scriptures. Yep, I'm not giving you a pass. You should go study the scriptures and you should think about them. And in attention to our neighbor. I know, I just went way off in left field right there. You're like, Zane, you haven't said anything about our neighbor today. I know. I'm going to tie it together for you. It makes sense that God would teach us through conversation. That's called prayer. It makes sense that he would teach us through our attention being on him. It makes sense that he would teach us through the scriptures. But what does our neighbor have to do with it? 
Well, let me read to you from 1 Corinthians 2. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also, no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. <coughs> now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. The scripture tells me a few things. First, the spirit and the revelation of truth are really closely tied. We should seek to understand God, but only with the intention of knowing him, not being puffed up in knowledge. Second, we're not to adopt or judge by the wisdom of the world. I've met people who are very wise by worldly standards. Maybe not as wise by spirit standards. The world will always see true wisdom as foolishness. Three, it says this, we have the mind of Christ. So you have access to the mind of Christ if you will approach him, contemplate his nearness, search the scriptures, ask him questions. You have access to the mind of Christ. But four, here's where your neighbor comes in. Let's read that last line again. It says, but we have the mind of Christ. This hit me as I was reading it a couple weeks ago. Upon closer inspection, you do have access to the understanding of the mysteries of the Spirit, but we, plural, we have the mind of Christ. So could it be that we collectively have the mind of Christ just as we collectively are the body of Christ? What if it's impossible for your view of God to be complete all on your own? What if you can't know him as deeply without the person that's sitting next to you right now? So we take all of these things as input. The impressions that we receive in prayer. The awareness of God while we're doing the dishes. The revelation the Spirit brings through the reading of Scripture and the God-inspired words from our neighbor. And then we ask the Holy Spirit to take these things and bring understanding. To enlighten our hearts and minds to understand what he's trying to teach us. 
about himself, about the way we should live. Through this process, if you actually do this, and you actually do it regularly and daily and consistently, faithfully, it isn't only your depth of informational understanding that's going to change. It is also the incarnation of the word. Just as the word became flesh and dwelt among us in Jesus, because of the spirit of Jesus indwells your bodies. Because of that, the word will once again become flesh in us. The combination of a depth of knowledge with a depth of love will alter the way that you think. As we become more grafted into God's vine, we're going to John 15. It's Jordan's most preached on scripture, probably. I'm not even going to read it. As we become more grafted into the vine, our natural thinking changes. Where you might have once been repulsed by the idea of committing adultery, you may later be repulsed by the idea of lust. Where you may once have been repulsed by the idea of murder, you may later be repulsed by hearing yourself speak a harsh word. Where you used to react emotionally, your natural reaction to someone who mistreats you becomes a tendency to respond in love, to respond in gentleness. Instead of being easily offended by our friends, we are merciful and we assume that our brothers and sisters in the faith have the best intentions. It all comes by being attached to the love of Jesus and being fixated on his words and his character. We are changed by proximity, by experience, and by understanding. It's very likely that what God most wants from you is the part of you that you least want to give. not in the Bible necessarily. It's just my thought. Could be wrong. But I think that it's very likely that what God most wants from you is the part of you that you least want to give. The thing that God really wants is your heart. That's what he really wants. The ways that you think, speak, and act, not to mention the treasures that you value, will reveal what really has your heart. And God wants it. If you are the rich young ruler in the book of Mark, he will ask for all your money and all your possessions. If you love comfort, he may ask you to live uncomfortably. If you love knowledge, he may ask you to become simple in love. And if you love the feeling of deep connection, he may ask you to walk in understanding and obedience moments when you do not feel him at all. If you spend your time thinking about things of this world, he will ask for your thoughts, your time, your attention, so that you may truly learn to see and desire him. 
So I request of you, don't be puffed up in knowledge, but add to your love knowledge that the Spirit reveals and contemplate it at every possible moment. And I pray over you that as you give him your full attention and your affection, that he will build you up into the fullness of him who is an abundant portion of provision and delight, both now and forevermore. Amen. I invite you to come to the communion table. If, this, if you have a relationship with Jesus, I don't care if it's your first time with us or your thousandth, you're welcome to come take the elements with us. So let's come take them together. I want to invite you just to a moment of reverence and receiving this. But before I do that, I'm going to tell you a funny moment for me. I, uh, I, I preached a message when I was interning at our church, and I preached to the five other interns inside the 700-seat sanctuary of the church I grew up in. And so it was this mass of people listening to me. And I, I, I preached the message, and I started talking about other religions, and, and, and I said something about Hinduism and Judaism, and then I talked about Buddhism. Oh. <laughs> that came out of my mouth. <laughs> At which point I turned red and tried to continue talking. Well, what I, I do remember that I preached is that, like, everybody wants a Savior with Jesus and nobody wants His Lordship oftentimes. And His Lordship means I receive all of Him. What Zane invited us today was not to pick our preferential part of Jesus, but to take the cup and body of Jesus in whole. Does, does that and, and so when we receive communion, we, we receive the fact that we don't, we don't get to prefer a part of the meal. We take the meal. And so I want us to have that and... and, and just, I can't tell you how many times somebody was like, well, I, you know, this, I worship this way, I encounter God this way. And I, I love that. I'm grateful for all of those things. But God is wanting for us to have the full meal, every one of us. And so let's just close our eyes and let's just ask the Lord to um, help us to let go our preferences and to receive the full meal. And I invite you to quicken our spirit. I pray that you would show us the areas that we've held back. Um, maybe we're not trusting you. Maybe, uh, maybe we're resentful to you because we don't think we've felt you. You're inviting us to know you in a different way. But maybe, maybe we, we're hiding behind the fact that you're really inviting us to go deeper in Scripture. You're really inviting us to go deeper in prayer. I, I just I'm thankful, God, that you can convict and call every person right where they are. And I pray that you would highlight, even as we receive this meal, exactly where it is that we might be um, preferring or prohibiting ourselves from encountering your fullness. And so, Lord, do that.
And I also just want to speak to those that you feel far from God, that he is calling you. He loves you. His grace and mercy are with you. And so, Lord, we bless you. In Jesus' name, you may receive. We hope you enjoyed this episode from Clearpath Church in Dallas, Texas. If you'd like more info to visit us on a Sunday morning or to subscribe to our newsletter, check us out at www.clearpathdallas.com. Follow us on Instagram at Clearpath Dallas. Thanks for listening. Yeah.